0: Welcome to Radiant Church. My name is Andrew. I'm the lead pastor, and we're so glad you could join us today from wherever you're watching or listening from. If it's your first time joining us, hey, go to RadiantChurchSC.com and click I'm new. If you fill out that short form online for us, as a way of saying thanks, we're going to donate $5 to one of the nonprofits that's listed right there. Well, Happy Father's Day to all the dads that are out there. What an honor and privilege it is to be a dad, right? Like When I first became a dad five years ago, I was both really excited and very terrified. Uh, I was face-to-face with the reality that I would have to raise a son, and and now I have two of them, and I was trying to remember all the lessons my dad and my grandparents and uncles taught me, and I would pay attention to blog posts and podcasts, and I was taking in everything which talked about how to be a good, and especially a godly, Father. I was pretty important to me. Uh, I was privileged to have a dad and a good foundation to lean on. And the truth is, you know, of course, like not all of us are privileged. To have that, I understand that. Um, in fact, for some men, that's that's really all the motivation they need, just to try to be the best dad that you can be, right? Because you want to be there for your kids, and so you're trying to learn and grow just as much as anybody else out there. And so a thought occurred to me that honestly stemmed from the last teaching series we did. It's a series called Running with the Giants, which, by the way. If you haven't watched or listened to those messages yet, man, I encourage you to go back and do that. They'll, they'll really help you uh, grow, and they'll challenge you a little bit there, too. But what, what uh, the, the question I thought of, though, was what would it be like if a, if a good and godly dad gave us his best advice? Like, what would, he, what would he say to us? There's a lot of great dads in the Bible, you know, but one in particular stood out to me, and maybe it's because we don't often associate him with fatherhood a whole lot, even though he was the dad to three sons. His story is found in the book of Genesis, first book of the Bible, and he's part of what's called the Hall of Faith in Hebrews chapter 11, where all the other great heroes of faith are mentioned. He has his reputation as being a great boat builder, okay? His name is Noah. So if Noah was here today, if he were celebrating with fathers and families on this Father's Day, what do you think he would say? You know, would he say like, you know, hey, don't miss the boat? (laughs) I mean, Okay, sure, he'd probably say that, but, but that's pretty obvious. Like, I actually think what he would tell us is, you know, one person, one person can make a difference. And If you think your life doesn't count, if you think you as a dad aren't making an impact, man, you are so wrong. Genesis chapter 6, verse number 5, our story starts like this. The Lord began to observe the extent of human wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry he had ever made them, and he put them on the earth, and it broke his heart. What a a powerful verse right there. And the Lord said, I'll wipe this human race that I've created from the face of the earth. Yes, I'll destroy every living thing, all the people, the large animals, the small animals, that scurry on the ground, even the birds of the sky. I'm sorry that I ever made them, but Noah found favor with the Lord. I think one of the reasons Noah is so relatable as he lives in a time period, it's really not too dissimilar from our own, right? He was quoted twice in the New Testament, once by Jesus, and once by Peter, in one of the letters that Peter writes. And both times, he's associated with the end of the world, which kind of makes sense. Like I, I mean, Noah was facing the end of the world as he knew it in his day and age, right? You know, God's going to flood the whole earth. His day was so violent and corrupt, it's been used as the premier description for what the height of evil will look like as we approach the return of Christ and what will the end of the world, as we kind of know it, be like as well. And So, Jesus and Peter both describe the end as being a period where evil is as rampant and destructive as it was in Noah's day. So I think it's hard to argue against that. You know, like, I think about our world right now and just how evil and corrupt our world is. You know, at this moment, there are more slaves on planet Earth today than at any other point in human history. That's why at Radiant we support Free International and the fight to end human trafficking, specifically here in America. Uh, there's an estimated 3,000 unborn babies who've had their lives snuffed out each day in the United States. There's more wars and paramilitary conflicts than at any other time in human history. It's pretty clear the love we have for each other, if you just look at our culture right now, it's grown cold, right? It's definitely grown cold. It's almost like we're numb to others and if they don't play ball with our side we label them as you know an enemy and we treat them you know in some cases as less than human which is terrible There are large numbers of anti-Semitic attacks happening right now against our Jewish friends all across the country and around the world. My point is this. Things aren't looking up, okay? They have been looking up for a really long time. They're only going to get worse. And so Noah's day was a lot like our day, but it was in far worse condition. Now, he's about 500 years old, and we get to a story in Genesis chapter 6. His grandfather was Methuselah. That's the oldest person that ever lived. People lived hundreds of years in that time. I know that sounds really insane. Sounds almost mythological, but there are some interesting theories, and I don't have time to get into those today, which could explain like how the lifespan of people in those days really extended in ancient history uh, like what Noah's did. But anyway, the world's evil, it's corrupt, and so much so that God's like, man, I'm starting over, redo. Uh, but we read in the last verse of our passage that Noah found favor with God, and it leads to an encounter in verse number 14 where God tells Noah, hey... I want you to build a boat. <laughs> all right? Now, I can see this conversation. I don't know if you can or not, but, you know, Noah's probably thinking, all right, cool. What's a boat? You know? And uh, God's just saying, well, you know, it floats on water. I'm going to flood the earth. Okay, cool, God. What's a flood? <laughs> all right? If this story is new to you, the world had never experienced the flood before. In fact, it never even rained before. The earth was watered by springs. And so God was telling Noah to do something that not only he had never done, but nobody Else had ever done before either, so remember that Noah did find favor with God. So what does Noah do? Well, he hears God's crazy plan and he does it. He actually does it. He's obedient, and it's Noah's obedience which really m- makes like all the difference here. Okay, we remember Noah's story because he was different, and I firmly believe that if we're if he's here today, he would tell us as dads. He'd say, "Hey man, you you can make a difference. Like as dads, where do we want to be uh, making the difference the most? We want to make a difference." the most in our families, right? And so that's the first piece of advice Noah would give. He would say, you can make a difference in your family. So let's go back to verse number eight. We read that Noah found favor with the Lord. So notice it doesn't say that about his family though, right? Like verse number nine, it says, it was Noah who was the only blameless person living on the earth at the time meaning his family, in all likelihood, wasn't even in lockstep with God. And yet, in the next chapter, his family boards the boat with him. Hey, Dad, listen to me real quick. This is very important. Your spiritual health matters. I'd even say above all else, it's absolutely vital for you to be spiritually healthy. Like we love our moms. We love our grandmas and our grandpas. But God's design from the beginning was for fathers to be the family leaders of their homes. And this means dads are the spiritual leaders. So if you aren't in step with God, don't expect your family to follow suit. It's that important. And this means the ability for dads to make a difference is also far more reaching than even mom. <clears throat> That's not popular to say. <laughs> I know, I know. But we love our moms. We do. We love our moms and moms are so important. And they have a huge influence. I mean, go back and listen to our Mother's Day message. You'll really hear about the power of a mother's influence and what that can do generationally. But there's something about being a father. And the research backs this up. You know, being a present dad, a healthy, loving dad, has a massively positive and impactful influence on his family that extends into the next generation, maybe even two generations after him. So being the leader in your household doesn't make you, you know, dictator for life, right? It doesn't mean that if anyone disagrees with you, they're in some crazy sin or whatever. I mean, don't be a fundamentalist on me. It doesn't mean your family is saved, though, either, just because you might be. It means your impact has a large ripple effect. So every decision made, every word you say or don't say, and the thing you do or don't do, it impacts people who are closest to you. Acts chapter 16, we find the story of, of two Christians in prison, and God sends an earthquake which sets every prisoner free, including those guys whose names are Paul Paul. And Silas. And they run into the jailer who's just freaking out because, you know, like, yeah, one job, man. Keep those guys in jail. And now, you know, he might lose his life over this. So at the end of the conversation, they tell him to say, hey, just believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved along with everyone in your household. That word household, which is oikos in Greek, That's what the New Testament is written in. It doesn't mean family as we understand it. It literally means your sphere of influence or the people who are closest to you, who are around you. So what the jailer is told is this. If you get saved, your salvation will impact the people in their lives around you. And for most of us, the closest people in our sphere of influence, it's our family, right? It's our family. Dads, what are you spending most of your time focusing on? See, that affects your impact, and often we unintentionally focus on the wrong things, and it lessens the impact, which lessens the difference that we can make in our families. Be careful to prioritize godly things in a godly focus so you can make a difference in your lives or your folks at home, right? Your wife, your kids. I think Noah would want to make sure that fathers know this too, but if you want to make a difference, you've got to be a difference maker, right? Be a difference maker. So his story is like the epitome of being different. He's preparing for something nobody's ever experienced before. I mean, imagine you're building this huge boat and it's taking you decades to build it. Your kids are coming home, they're telling you how you're the town joke, your wife is frustrated because you're spending all your time on the boat, which which might sound a little bit too close to home for some of you, I don't know. Instead of the honey D list, right? You know, you can't socialize and have folks over because you've got this massive boat to build. You would look at some Someone like that today and say, dude, you're a complete lunatic, right? And so people laughed. I mean, they questioned, they doubted, they probably would institutionalize Noah today if he was around. But if you're gonna make a difference, you have to be different. Remember the sphere of influence we just talked about? Sociologists say that your direct sphere of influence, it includes 12 to 17 people. These are individuals that you will spend at least one hour or more with each and every week. Remember that number, because that's important. One hour or more each week with the people uh, is considered to be in your sphere of influence here, okay? That's 12 to 17 people. So I want you to pay attention to this real quick. I'm about to say something very, very important. The average dad spends a total of seven, count them, okay? Seven minutes, not hours, minutes a day, which is 49 minutes a week with their kids. If your sphere of influence includes people you spend an hour or more with each week, it means the average dad is not even spending that time with their kids. So they're not even in their own sphere of influence here. If you're having some behavioral problems with your kids, could be, you know, not because of their friends or school, but because you're not spending enough time with them, right? Like kids measure value in the currency of time. So, the younger they are, the more time they need because quantity is very valuable. But the older they get, the more quality time they need because the currency shifts from quantity to quality. It's no longer about how much time you spend, it's about how you spend the time with them. Now, I know that's really hard. You're working hard, you're working full time, maybe running your own business, maybe you're working two different jobs or you're going back to school on top of all the stuff you're doing right now, and you don't even have time for yourself, let alone your kids. Like, dude, trust me, I got it. I get it. I struggle sometimes to get in good amounts of time with my kids on some days, you know? And mine are pretty young, so like quantity is really important to them, remember? It's not always easy to find that, but it's really, really important. So be different. You didn't set out to be the absent father, right? Like, you want to make all the baseball games and the football games. You want your kids to hike with you. You want to have the daddy-daughter dates as often as you can. So what can you do differently right now to create the time your kids really need? You want to be a spiritual father? Man, it's awesome. What are you going to do differently to have that spiritual time with your kids that you might not be having? My five-year-old, he's the oldest, he loves baseball, which which is great, you know, kind of being a bullard, baseball is like a rite of passage It comes to the territory, so baseball is a big thing for us, it's been that way for generations, but every day he wants to go play, and so he wants to get the bat and the glove and the balls and go play, and just about every day, um, you know, I'll go to the backyard and we'll play, and some days I am tired, and some days I'm kind of irritated because it wasn't a great day, right? Other days, I mean, I'm in South Carolina, so other days, it is a hot you know what I'm saying? But I know that that time just playing in the backyard, man, I'll never get that time back. It's time I'm investing into relationship capital with my son. You know, At night, I don't answer calls, I, I don't text many people unless it's family, I often choose not to work because I want that time to be with my kids. So we're watching like old Muppet Show episodes, <laughs> or we're, we're waiting for the next Braves player to hit a home run before we go to bed. Uh, you know, sometimes we'll play a quick game, but we're doing something together, and, and that's important. If I have to make up work for something I missed earlier in the day, it's always when my kids are in bed, never when they're awake. I don't. I don't do things I always. You know, I used to do like I don't golf like I used to do. My game probably is out the window now. Uh, I don't. I don't do a lot of things I used to do. Not because I don't want to do them. I just choose to be different. My marriage matters more, and my kids matter more. And if I want to make a difference, first and foremost, in the lives of my own kids. I have to make these lifestyle changes and decisions, because in the end, that's what actually matters. So honestly, if you want the same thing, you're going to have to make changes like that too. And and the thing is, not everyone's going to understand that. You're going to have to explain it to them. You know, I'm sure Noah explained to people why he was building the giant boat. They, they still didn't get it, though. You know? And that's okay. That's fine. It didn't stop him from being different because he knew the difference he was making would first and foremost affect his family. And when the rain finally did come, it paid off. His family was saved. The final piece of wisdom I think Noah would want to leave us today for, for dads out there is, is this one. I think it's the best one, too. Remember God's Promises. Remember God's promises. One of the most recognizable symbols in Scripture is the rainbow. It's synonymous with Noah's story. You know, God placed the rainbow in the sky. as a sign he would never destroy the world again through a great flood. And every time I see a rainbow, I'm reminded not only of the promise that God gave to us from that story, but also of another one which comes through his son, Jesus, and it's found in Matthew chapter 28. Matthew twenty eight twenty. this is Christ talking. He says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Sometimes we need to be reminded that we're never alone. Even if no one else is with you, man, God promises to remain beside you. You got the greatest father of all time who wants to walk through life as a father with you. And he's got a lot of other promises that are important for us to remember as well. One of my favorites comes from the a letter to the Romans of the New Testament. God promises everything will work together for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. It's from Romans eight twenty eight. So in other words, as a follower of Christ, what God promises is that it's all going to work out. Don't get discouraged. Don't feel overwhelmed. Don't allow hopelessness to creep in. Everything will work for the good in the end. Now, keep in mind that your idea of good is not always God's idea, okay? So, you're going to have to accept that God knows what's good for you and your family more than you do. But just hold on and watch God keep those promises. Sometimes we, we know that God will work it all out in the end. And we've got this big picture and we live in this real world. We need money, right? We need money. We need it now. Dads, you you know the pressure to provide for your family. One burden every dad feels is that weight of finances. Just remember that God, not money, is your source. Matthew 6, 25 and 27, this is Jesus talking again. He says, that's why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink, or enough clothes to wear. I love this part. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothes? Look at the birds. They don't plant, they don't harvest, they don't store food in their barns, but your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you more valuable to Him than they are? Check this last part out. You need to remember this last line. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Of course not. God promises to be your source. But He gives you another important promise too, and it's one that we need a lot more than we would like to admit. We know our kids get to us, we've had a long day, we're tired, but they're going like hundred miles an hour when we get home and they just want to play and have our attention and we'll snap and we'll say something hurtful and we yell and we shouldn't, we become inflexible with our spouse and we should work together, like we mess up. And the good news is this, that God gives us a promise of forgiveness. First John 1.9 says, If we're faithful to confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. But remember, as God promises to forgive us, we need to forgive other people who harm us as well. So forgiveness is actually a two-way street, something really important for us to remember here as dads. One person can make a difference. Take it from Noah. He was the difference maker for his family. They were the only ones who were saved when the flood came. He was different. And to make a difference, the reality is you're going to have to be different too. And I can guarantee you this, that Noah remembered God's promises. Dads, if you want to be the difference maker that God wants you to be, you need to remember those promises in your life too. But more importantly, there's something else you need to really make sure you do. You need to make sure you find a rest in the heart of God. In fact, the name Noah actually means rest. Some of you need to rest in the provision that God brings so you can stop stressing over finances. Others need to rest in God's forgiveness because you've been struggling to move past some things you've done or how you lived or some harm you caused. Whatever it is, good or bad, you can't make a difference on your own, so find rest in Christ. The ultimate way to make a difference is to stop trying to do it all on your own and start leaning into the heart of God the Father. Let me pray for all our dads up there here today. So, Father, I love you, man. Thank you for every father, grandfather, uncle, soon-to-be father who's out there watching and listening right now. God, I pray that you would bless them. I pray, Lord, that your hand would be upon their lives, that you would just give them favor. Lord, I help them to remember that they can be difference-makers, God. They can be difference-makers in their families, and Father, perhaps they're struggling to do that. They've, they've not spent quantity time with younger kids, or they haven't spent quality time, and I pray or they would do the things they need to do that are different in their lives and their schedules to make sure that their kids and their families, their spouse, are a part of that sphere of influence where that's where they're spending good quality and quantity time with. Lord, I pray that you would remind them that there are promises you have for us as dads, promises, God, that you'll never leave us. You're going to walk with us and help us to be the, the, the best fathers we can be. You're, you're, you're there to forgive us of our sins and our wrongs when we kind of mess up, man. God, there's promises there, and I pray, Lord, that you would Enable us to live in those promises and to walk in them and to be the godly fathers we need to be. Thank you, Lord, that you've chosen us to care for our families and chosen us, God, to lead and lead well. And I pray, Lord, that, that in a world that seems to want to strip away masculinity and strip away the role that fathers play, God, thank you that you've given us this awesome responsibility. May we stand strong as men in this world loving our families and serving you well we pray and ask all this in your name amen thanks for listening if you have any questions or would like to reach out to us you can do so by emailing us at media at radiantchurchsc.com. or visit one of our social accounts on facebook instagram or youtube If you like what you heard today, subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes and give us a five-star rating on the podcast platform that you listen to. We hope you have an amazing rest of your day.